0: Hey everyone, my name's Michael. And I'm Crystal. And this is Surviving Higher Ed. We're two former higher ed professionals turned expatriates.
1: Surviving Higher Ed is your go-to podcast to discuss surviving within higher education. Or learning
0: ways to transition out.
1: We want to create a space for you to feel seen and heard. And maybe even learn a few things along the way.
0: Now, let's dive in.
1: Okay, thanks, everybody. We have a wonderful guest today. Uh, Thank you so much, Jillian, for joining us. We're so excited to have you. Um, I know not everybody could see, but I'm super excited to see her face, Uh, (laughs) her lovely smile. Um, I guess, Jillian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, before we dive into kind of more about your higher ed background and everything like that
2: sure well thanks for having me y'all i'm excited to be here too and like i was say it's so good to see crystal um, and michael meet you for the first time too it's so exciting yes. um so hi everyone all the listeners at home my name is jillian my pronouns are she her and hers um i currently reside in southern california um and my background is i have a bachelor's in psychology and then my master's in, in higher education and student affairs. Um, I have pretty much only been at private schools. And some fun facts about me is I love pop culture. Um, I recently have gone really into BTS. Um, I I also am like a big tennis player. Um, That's my... I yeah that's one of the things I could talk forever about is like pop culture and tennis
0: but yeah but um, so you're so you're part of the BTS army is that what they
2: call it yes I am a what they call a baby army because I am this is like a fairly new fandom but I like it I think the fans are fun it's cool to learn about just like I don't know. They just want to make friends and I love making friends and I their music it. is really good. And you it, saw yeah. them recently, didn't you? I did. I saw them when they came to LA and then I'm going to see them oh, in Vegas sh- next <gasps> week. So if we can wrap admitted. this up. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> no, um, we're going to have a Jillian live from Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> B- <laughs> <found it>. yeah <laughs> me trying to get to the front of the stage. I'm yeah, like, I got to do it for the fans. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I, really- <laughs> I love your just like you and who you oh, are, and the you. energy you're bringing. So, thanks for sharing with us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Yes.
1: Yeah, so good to see you. Um, just for full transparency, Jillian and I had passed across before. So, I mean, obviously, I I love meeting people too, but I always have a hot like a, a good spot in my heart for Jillian. <laughs> oh, wonderful mutual, person. Mutual,
2: yeah. mutual, Oh,
1: thank you, thank you. <laughs> and um, so with that said, um, I guess why don't we dive in, and why don't you tell us a little bit more about your higher ed affairs um, kind of background, like your experience, how did you get started Mm -hmm. and
2: all that kind of stuff? so it's funny of um I was literally just talking to one of my students because she had asked me about it uh the other day and so I was telling her and I feel like my love for like campus programming has been a thing literally since I was a little kid like I genuinely was in student government since the third grade I kid you not oh, um so that's a funny oh yeah, my god yeah. <laughs> are you a fellow line leader in class representative uh, proudly <laughs> um yeah <laughs> but yeah so it was like in high school I was very in a student government creating opportunities for my fellow classmates to get involved um and then when I got to college um I was right away a psychology major knew I wanted to go into psych in high school did that all throughout college towards the end of my college career I started working in like various student affairs departments on campus as like a work-study job and it's funny because like I did them because I had work-study and all my friends were doing it so like <laughs> that's why I did the job <laughs> um sense. So yeah. Funny. <laughs> right, yeah, so easily peer pressured. Um, but no, <laughs> um, so did that and then really enjoyed it. And after I graduated, I uh, knew I wanted to take a year off before grad school, um, but actually was still pretty dedicated to wanting to do psychology. And I did AmeriCorps for a year, but it was within a student affairs capacity, um, and then applied for grad schools for like school psychology programs because I was still very much like that's the goal that's the thing and then did that and I remember going to one of my grad school interviews and the person interviewing me was like so all of your experiences in higher ed why do you want to do this and I was like that was kind of a wake-up call I needed to hear because I was like oh That's a good point. I did not anticipate that, let alone (laughs) you bring up a very valid point of why am I doing this? And I remember like sitting in that grad school interview and part of the interview was we got to talk to current students about the program. And I remember listening and in my head, I was like, Oh no, like this isn't what I want to do. Um, and which is really scary wow. because like I yeah. was, you know, like when you do literally the past, like literally since I was a junior in high school, it was like, this is what I want to do. And then when I got to like actually learning more about it was like, oh, never mind. Um, and so <laughs> which was a very, yeah. And then so um I did not get into grad school that year. Um at the moment it was really, really sad, like was really sure. took it, took it hard, took another year off. Um, left education altogether, um, worked actually at a daycare for dogs. Um oh so if God. you want a separate podcast episode. wow, that uh, um, that's your
0: other favorite topic. Yeah. Aside so. aside from higher <laughs> ed TikTok, I do Dog Instagram. Too. Yes.
2: So if you have got a dog podcast, hit me up. But <laughs>
0: I'll connect um,
2: you. <laughs> um. But did that for a year and really took that time to reflect on, like, oh my god, what do I even want to do with my life? Yeah. Um. Because I really had like a 180. So I knew I still wanted to work in education. That I knew for certain. But now I was like, oh, I actually really love working with college students. Um. Not that I don't love. Like my running joke is not that I hate kids, but I just like I don't have the patience you need when you work with children it's different Um, it's different it's totally different and it just was not what I ultimately wanted to do um although I did enjoy working with high school students I'm not gonna lie um but anyways and so uh Dan was like well let's (laughs) what did we learn um and was like well I really did like working in student affairs as like a student worker um and then applied again for grad schools, this time for more than just two schools, Um, but applied to a couple grad programs and got into almost all of them, which was really like a 180 of like, oh, I guess this is what I should and want to do, and then decided on the school I wanted, and then, yeah, went and got my master's, and now I'm here, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: so yeah. And I'm glad that. you
1: explained that because I think that was too. Because I know that I had met you before you went like yeah. in the, the grad school, and mm-hmm. and much more were in that psych path. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's good to hear on your end kind of what went on that during that time. Yeah,
2: the, like I know and... I almost want to like apologize. Of like, Crystal has the the lovely perspective of <laughs> knowing me during that time in my life, and it just <laughs> was like it was tough, but also I got to give Crystal a shout out right now. She was a great support during that time. So,
0: Aww. yeah. And now we're here. Look at I know, us. I know. <laughs> look at us. We'll circle. We'll we'll circle. circle. I know. <laughs> but I really liked how you, I feel like you created the path of going into hiring on your own a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I never have heard that someone was like, yeah, I've been like in this work low key since like elementary school. Cause when you think <laughs> about it, like it is pretty parallel and no one's ever said that. So I think it's really interesting that like you, Provide oh, yeah. that perspective. But I also yeah. like that you said that you had thought you wanted to do one thing and then you found out, oh, this isn't it. And yeah. so I also like how you didn't like immediately like jump right into it like you knew you mm-hmm. liked it but yeah. I also liked how you were like willing to try other things before you kind of figured out that this was the right path for you and I think yeah I think looking back
2: the Kool-Aid yes <laughs> she, she created it.
0: Gonna- I will
2: say oh my gosh um, I will say I, I was one of the rare people that was not like tapped on the shoulder about the whole you should go in the student affairs thing like no one yeah. ever, like I mean in uh, hindsight oh. I'm like okay like they were kind of like hinting at it but no one directly said it um, so you're, I appreciate that and that, yeah, I am kind of glad that I sort of figured it out. Like, obviously, you know, like I said, in that grad interview where they're like, you have only done higher ed. Why are you doing this? Um, and I was like, oh shit, you're right. Um, <laughs> um interesting. yeah. It's so and,
1: funny though. Cause like from your perspective, you kind of like actually thought was, about it where yeah. I like, I internalized it as like a challenge where I was like, well, yeah. And. I'm, yeah.
2: gonna, I'm gonna do this. Right, right. And like, for a while it was like suit like, therapy and all that right? stuff. No, and for a while I was kind of in that path of like a no, this was the goal. I have yeah. had I have planned my life out till I'm 72, yeah. you know, like <laughs> and then now now I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, I don't know what'll happen tomorrow, but whatever. Um, <laughs> um t- taking uh apathy, but at a healthy dose. Um, but yeah, I, I also think it's like um I'm one of the few people have never done residence life um yeah. nor Amen. yeah Amen. also not my my cup of tea I want to give a personal shout out to anyone who has ever stepped yes. foot in residence because that takes a whole other person yeah
0: I have said that I was like I don't know nothing about it but i might give you all a shout out because I could never <laughs> and I say that with my whole chest I could never <laughs> but I think this is a good segue into like you knew you liked to work with this yeah. population down the road but I don't know if it doesn't sound like you really saw yourself doing it like mm-hmm. full time mm-hmm. so how long have you been in the profession from like grad school to now?
2: Oh, grad school to now, uh, just outside of grad school, uh, about three years. Um, but I was I was telling my student this the other day because she was asking me like experience and then into my position yeah. of like I think with the intention of like how much experience do you need to be like yeah. someone in your role and I was telling her my I don't even know if this is really an unpopular opinion but just more of one I don't hear a lot yeah. I when people ask me how many years of experience I have I include my years of when I was an undergrad as a student worker in student affairs mm, somebody and asked me my experience in grad mm-hmm. school too I count those because I think students who are doing student work like they are doing a lot of the work they're doing campus programming Mm -hmm. they're they're the ones talking with students um like when I was a grad student at some point I was literally working in five different departments in one sitting um Mm. which I do not recommend for any grad students listening right now (laughs) um but but yeah it was a lot um but it did give me a lot of experience but all things that like good and bad experience in hindsight um but all things that I well more so I'm a believer of all experience is good experience even if the experience itself was not a fun time um so I mean yes professionally three years I guess okay um but in terms of like full full like the moment I stepped in the student affairs like um maybe like seven eight years okay. I can't do math
0: I, I like that perspective <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you see yours I mean I know in undergrad like the work probably energizes you as a student and mm-hmm. helped build a sense of belonging yeah. So like from then to now, like full-time professional, mm-hmm. did you see yourself working in the field, you know, that long after, you know, you did your degree and where, where you're at now? Like, is that something that mm. you envisioned for yourself or did you kind of see other plans for yourself or anything like that? Yes and no.
2: I mean, I, like I said, I knew I've always wanted to work in education. I yeah. I think the part that was missing was what kind or who and what, like those kind of details. But the general, mm-hmm. like, I love working in education. And that still rings true. So I really do love this. Um, but I, I think the like the details about that. So like I currently live in Southern California, um, but I'm not originally from California. Um, So for the longest time, I thought I was going to move back to my home and work there and work in education back home um, yeah. and then graduated college and was like, oh, I guess I'm still sticking around and then was <laughs> like <laughs> um, and then got into grad school. And then I was also like, all right, after I finished grad school, I'm also leaving this town to go somewhere else. And then that did not happen either. So, So like like those details of like, oh, I see I'm, you know, meant to be here or obviously I have, you know, say, but I, I am a big believer in like a, things happen how they're supposed to happen, um, as cliche as that is, but um, but I those that. things, I, I'd say, like, I did not anticipate, and then I also did not anticipate working in student affairs, let alone with college students, because I genuinely didn't know that you could, which is yeah. silly in hindsight, because it's, like, who, like, what do you think these people do, um, yeah. but, who but are you like, reporting to? yeah, who are you <laughs> reporting to, and how do you think they got there, um, but I yeah. don't, I'd never heard of this as a profession or a career, like, I've always just heard of, like, yeah your standard like primary education careers of like counselors and blah 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 yeah um yeah. and I knew I didn't want to be a teacher and still to this day I don't really want to teach um but who knows I say that and next thing you know because that has been a trend in my life every time I'm like no I don't want to do this or blah 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 um then I do it two years later um but <laughs> <Love> <laughs> um, <laughs> that is that has been an ongoing trend but I mean it if anything it has taught me like a a new perspective on what I, like how I initially thought of something to be like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought kind of thing or putting my own experience to it. And I do think a lot of it is I've always enjoyed the students I work with. Um, You know, I think that's a constant thing we just hear in student affairs in general. When times get tough, we do it for the students.
1: Given that, I know when I knew you, you are always like a fierce advocate for not only your students, but Mm -hmm. for different causes on campus. And I know one of the ones that was like, like near and dear for you that Mm -hmm. I feel like you, um, you along with the team, you know, that you were working with made a lot of headway, at least, or was uh, disabilities on campus Mm -hmm. and disability awareness. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm curious, now that you've kind of transitioned into this kind of being professional, (laughs)
0: like,
1: right, is that something Mm -hmm. that you still do? And if so, like, how, what is that experience like for you?
2: Sure. No, I love this question and I could talk about it for 10 years. For the the listeners at home, some contexts I identify as disabled. I'm um, someone who is hard of hearing. I have developmental disabilities um, ever since I was born. So it is not only something of just like a advocating for disabled students, but, um, but is near and dear to my heart because it has a personal effect on me. So kind of what Crystal's alluding to was uh, when I was in undergrad, we had a thing on campus where it was like, we were doing little subcommittees on various like topics and identities to help with different efforts of like retention, sense of belonging, missing pieces that we weren't able to see. um, Because like, if you don't live that experience, how would you know, you know? And so that has been something I've just naturally, as a not only gotten older, but just my experience of working in education is being more confident and not only advocating for myself and what I need and what not a lot of people know about the disabled community, let alone like someone who's hard of hearing or deaf. Um, but just the students in general, um, and how much that effect plays into like the classroom setting. Like, yes. one of my favorite stories I love telling is um, there was a brief period of time where I was working in disabilities, oh, in a, a disability services office. Um, and I was speaking with a student who was coming in for accommodations because she gets really anxious with test taking. And so she wanted a, her accommodation to be like extended time on tests, which is fine. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a thing we offer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but while she was like telling me this, she made at some point an offhanded comment about her hearing and then just continue to go. And I was like, listening to her and I realized as I was listening to her story that she was experiencing I mean you can still be anxious multiple disabilities can exist sure but what she actually was experiencing was symptoms of hearing loss and she Uh. had just never gotten her hearing tested because hearing her story I was listening I was realizing a lot of the things she was experiencing were the same things I experienced when I was younger too like the inability to pay attention like anxiety depression um Uh. where you're sitting in the classroom can play a big Uh. role the whole like I don't know. Sometimes professors think you're not paying attention or that like there were just little things like that that I was like, oh, I mean, you could be doing this, but I, I really think you should get your hearing tested because that could be it. Um, and my supervisor was really taken aback by it because you know, she's not hard of hearing deaf, but she didn't realize those were symptoms of hearing loss, yeah. you know. And so that's why I think like those little moments of it's so important for someone of certain identities to be, whether it's at the table or just in conversation, because like, they're going to bring up experiences that no one has ever thought about, or no one has known, because how would you if, you know, you never have experienced that? Yeah. Um, And so, and then even bringing that into my current work of like, well, I don't necessarily work directly with more so like advocating for disabilities. um, It's just implemented into my work. And I, I think that's like a big thing in higher ed is like, it doesn't have to be like a like that's your job title that should just sort of be incorporated into your work especially if you're going to advocate for students of whether marginalized identities or you're trying to be an ally like that like that should just come up no matter where you are like in the field or what your title is so I don't know yeah yeah, that's kind of where where I stand on it and I try to speak on it, whether it's at conferences or in meetings with my team or with my students too of like, um, like even for example, when like I run like our social media for campus. Um, And so one of the things I'll tell my like students who kind of do the primary like posts and stuff, I'm like, hey, make sure you always add like an image description in the Mm -hmm. caption, or we always do subtitles or um, we try not to do like too contrasting of colors if we're doing just purely like a text post, like those things like that. Um, so, you know, just so it's always like mindful and at the same yeah. time, we're always open to like learning to new accessibility practices too. So I don't know, those are just some examples that I can think of.
1: Well, I think they're great. And, and I wanted to bring it up because I know like in, in general, you know, the hopes is this podcast is formative in Mm -hmm. all different ways and like i thought it was important because i remember like there was something one time that i when i went to something where you were speaking Mm -hmm. uh you had said something that i stuck with me and it like throughout my professional career since was the, it was, like, just something simple, like a, a panel, I think, and um, somebody had said, like, oh, I don't need the microphone. My voice carries. <laughs> oh I have gosh. a loud voice. Oh, it's, like, my
2: biggest pet peeve. I'm just going to put that out there right and,
1: now. <laughs> and so it was very, and I think it and you said, like, actually, but it's not just about your voice. It's, like, for people that need this. Mm-hmm. And I, I ever since then, like, it, like it, it was, it, again, it sounds so simple, but it was, yeah. like, oh, like, that stuck with me, and I've oh. directed people on that, yeah. and I myself you know, I've done that. And I think it's just mm-hmm. kind of just the importance of when you meet people that are like really kind of incorporate that and just to their, their daily existence and being yeah. mindful. Yeah, it, it really like impacts a lot change on a bigger, on a bigger scale. Like mm-hmm. kind of like what you were saying, even when working with students and being mindful of like listening to that, like, I know for me, cause my thing that I worked on was like a lot of like socioeconomic and mm-hmm. low income. So I remember advising students. Um, and if I saw it, they were struggling, I'd be like, you know what, actually, you could take this GE, you know, over the summer mm-hmm. for a lot cheaper, let's maximize your time here with yeah. classes, you mm-hmm. can't take elsewhere, right? And it was like, it was a very different type of advising, right? It was more mm-hmm. invested in like listening to under the surface, as opposed to just like, you just need these classes to graduate. Yeah, it's like trying to be like a little bit more mind, which is again, like, kind of why I empathize with you like, oh, that's why I loved what I did. <laughs> it was like, oh, these are things mm-hmm. that I wish like somebody would have done for me yeah. a little bit more yeah. so you know
2: exactly that whole, like, you know, who did you need when you were a student too? Mm-hmm. And that advocating part of that's so cool that that stuck with you. It's a, it's funny of like, in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I just sort of say that naturally, but I never think of. So uh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it reminds hey. me too, I was uh, at a conference recently and I had a, a live captioning as my accommodation, my accommodation. And it was via like an app on the phone, which I've never done before. Tech has really taken off y'all. Oh, cool. um, I, I'm just living in the past at all times, apparently. <laughs> but, um, but, but one of the big things is the only way the live captions would work is if the presenter spoke into the microphone. If they didn't, the captioning wouldn't work. It wouldn't yeah. pick it up. And there was a couple sessions that were very interactive with the audience. And the amount of times that it was somebody being like, I don't need the microphone, I could and which I'm telling y'all now, like, nine times out of ten, that's not true. Um, and then let alone, like, the captions just don't, like, live captioning doesn't work if you don't use the microphone. So I was just, like, yep. sort of sitting there in this, like, uh, I don't know what's going on. Like, I think I might leave because I have no idea what anyone is saying. And, yeah. So those moments are tough and, you know, I don't always like advocate for myself, but there's just some days where I'm like, my energy is like, I, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I wanted to kind of follow that up with like,
1: cause I know we're talking about a lot of the ways in which that we enjoy working with students and the different mm-hmm. things like that. But I'm curious, yeah. like, what are some of the challenges that you feel like either regards to, you know, disabilities or mm-hmm. just the profession in general, what are some challenges that you have found with the field and like want to like need work or like or some experiences you've had or
2: anything like that I I wish that allies to disabled people would pass the microphone more versus speaking on their behalf
0: yeah because time
2: and time again I have heard people who say that they have so much passion and love for like disabled folks or folks with disabilities and then but they don't trust them to advocate for themselves or Mm -hmm. because if they do their disability clearly is like they're not disabled enough to be disabled kind Uh, of thing yeah um and that is where I get a little like "Mm, I don't know about that um because it's this idea where people just naturally and it has a lot to do with just society's perception of disabilities but like this idea that disabled people like that there's a bar and if they go above it then they're lying or they're not as much or like they don't need those accommodations yeah. so it's like a constant like I mean it is me just naturally having a dark sense of humor but I'm always making like deaf jokes <laughs> about myself I mishear things all the time but it's partially rooted in like I'm always saying it as a form of a reminder to people of like yeah. don't let the fact that we're having a conversation and I'm not like signing because like I don't know sign- like I can lip read yeah. Um, yeah but like don't let that be like don't forget that you know what I mean um and so it's this thing that I experience a lot just like in education in general it's not even like specifically a higher ed thing um but at the same time it kind of is a little more in the emphasis of higher ed because I I have heard of just within higher ed like you know in the k through 12 system like you have to have like classes for students with, like, various disabilities and needs and whatnot, you know, the college level, like, then it gets a little funky, if you will. Um, (laughs) And and, uh, to where I'm like, why don't we like make education more accessible like we're constantly holding these barriers of like and i know certain things like accreditation play into like class attendance and stuff like that but like what do you tell the student who like is clearly capable of passing the class and getting their degree but they have like uh, chronic like illnesses to where they can't attend class certain days or like yeah. I don't know there's so many just uh,
0: different no, things and... you're
1: absolutely right because yeah.
0: I
2: know
1: that that was that's something that I came across so many times and it was such a point of frustration for mm-hmm. me whether it was a student that was concussed and mm-hmm. needed to have different scheduling and yeah. We couldn't get him like i had to try to argue with the registrar and think mm-hmm. to get him an earlier registration date yeah. So yeah he can get the classes that he needed medically yeah. or like having we like realizing that none of the advisors had any training on working with um that like a blind student and the and like jaws and different yeah. programming to help them register yep like I was the only one willing to like work with the student which is like horrible mm-hmm. like that someone has to be willing to mm-hmm. and because and it wasn't even in my de- designated college it was just because yeah. nobody else wanted to and so oh my I was like doing double <laughs> the work trying to figure out like what that what the requirements were for those majors yeah and then and then it was so easy afterwards and I loved working with the students and whatnot right. and but I was like, why don't we have a liaison working with the disability services office? Yeah, well, students need help registering? Those students, like, it's just such a, it's, it. I you're absolutely right. And I think that's something that for me, and maybe this is a perspective because you didn't necessarily, like you, like similar to me, mm-hmm. didn't kind of get like tapped on the shoulder or like mm-hmm. have this experience that was so streamlined into it. it. You come from this mentality of like, like me, right? I was like psychology, we're mm-hmm. mm-hmm. doing, and very different outside things coming in where I think I, I was kind of shocked by a lot of the systems in here. Where I'm like, logically, it would make sense to have some of this stuff set up. But yeah. we don't. And I was surprised by how many um, just offices, not just my own included, mm-hmm. were lacking the awareness. Like it wasn't until I taught a class that I taught at the community college where they, were, they required me. I could not teach until I got this accessibility oh, yeah. like, oh. online training.
2: Community but college is pretty good about in terms of like disabilities yeah. and access, but like I, it was yeah. like
1: intense. And I was, yeah. but I was also saddened that it was that long, right? Almost a decade after I started working in higher ed that I got this formal training of how to like format like PDFs or like, I mean, or Word docs and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. website, like all these different yep. things yeah. where I'm like, This would have been so helpful to know when I was doing this stuff for
2: my program.
0: Yeah, totally. Which a lot of
2: folks, I wish there literally was just like a required ADA training because there's so many things that, people don't realize in the higher ed that are technically ADA violations, but we just oh, somehow sure. magically get away with so much. Like yep. the fact that um, if you ever show media, whether it's class, a program, et cetera, you mm-hmm. have to have subtitles. It's literally ADA law. Like that is bare minimum, but the amount of times I've been like, Hey, where is this? And they're like, Oh, we don't have this. Or I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not higher ed related, but I'm just going to put a friendly challenge to everyone to go to the movie theaters, just the movie theaters and ask for closed captioning and see what yep. happens. Because um, I have five, out. I have so many different stories of my experience, but I'm I just would yeah. love to
0: see what people, ex- you know, just just go do it, just ask. I caught that you had said that like you go to conferences, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that links to like your advocacy or to mm-hmm. your identity. Yeah, but I wanted to ask like, how do you supplement your higher ed experience, and also like with your identity as someone who identifies as mm-hmm. disabled? What do you what do you do to kind of not only like give back but also maybe grow as a professional?
2: Oh I love that question. Um, well I've presented at conferences with other disabled colleagues one about how to advocate for disabled students especially because like I mean depending where you are disability services might be their academic affairs or student affairs um, but it might not necessarily be like the immediate office folks work in or um, they don't really know how to advocate for disabled students outside their like immediate functional area, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah. so that's one presentation we've done. We've also done presentations with collaborating with other disabled professionals and just having it be a panel and like us just that's talking cool. about our experience of like that's what really it's cool. like. Um, so that has been a couple different opportunities. Um, I think as well, like seeing the growth of virtual conferences and a lot of conferences now being hybrid one, it's like accessible for folks who aren't able to travel, but two, like, I don't know, it's cool to finally have like live captioning at these presentations or, you know, like I'm mainly talking about my own needs, but like there has been like tech really has. Yes. I, I love seeing people in person. Mm. I miss many colleagues, but that has been really cool to finally be like, wait, I'm actually like able to be fully present being involved various professional organizations like just sort of being that person to be like hey maybe we should do like a webinar on this or a social geared towards this or something like that so like those little things that just sort of it's incorporated doesn't have to necessarily be like we're doing a social for purely disabled people um but just more like to keep it in mind of and it doesn't have to be that big of a deal you know um so those little simple things
0: yeah. I love that you say that. I feel like sometimes people get really like awkward when it yeah. comes to like accommodating folks with different yeah. disabilities. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, it's not weird. It's normal. It really normal. is not and, weird. Like, and yeah, it's okay to take a couple extra minutes or days, depending on like a training. If it's, you know, one thing that I really appreciated when I, before I left my last institution, I had a coworker who was like the leader in our office for um, advocating for folks with disabilities. Like, mm-hmm made sure that, like, they forwarded trainings for, like, PDF accessibility, or, like, you had mentioned, like, social media, like, color Mm -hmm. contrasting, stuff like that, like, Mm -hmm. they forwarded all that stuff to us, and, like, I learned so much, and I was, like, wow, like, I have a lot of work to do, yeah because I think that's one thing, too, is, like, A lot of people might realize like, oh, like, I know how to do that. Like, I'll I'll put my captions on for a Zoom meeting Mm -hmm. or for whatever it might be. But then there's all those little nuances that people forget, like the small Mm -hmm. details. Like, I think a lot of people forget about image descriptions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I myself have been guilty of that. And so Mm -hmm. I think what I like your approach is that you involve everyone at the table. It's not just like, okay, we're going to talk amongst ourselves, which I think is appropriate. But it's important to involve other people in the conversation, which um, I'm glad you take that approach.
2: Yeah, one of my favorite little like fun facts for accessibility is not a lot of people know Comic Sans, which is so lovingly has a reputation, Um, but Comic Sans was literally designed for um, dyslexic folks. That's literally like why the font is designed the way it is. is—is So it's legible for, or accessible, I should say, for dyslexic folks. So I always like get a That's little, cool. yeah. So I always get ah. it, um, a little stomach twisting when I hear people like tease Comic Sans. And I'll be that. totally honest, like I did not know that at first. So I too have been like, what do we always design in Comic Sans? It's such a silly font. But then learning that and I was like, oh, and then it makes sense because I've, think- I've thought about the amount of things and... In- just society that get like poke fun at or whatever and it's always yeah. connected to like disabilities or disabled. Or on the mm. other hand, uh Times New Roman, which is so lovingly also APA style and we so heavily yeah. push APA, mm. uh it is not accessible for dyslexic folks. Oh
0: my God. So I that. yeah.
2: So that's another little fun fact for you. But <laughs> so like those wow. tech things, which my jaws I, open. Yeah, like you know, like if you don't know that, which how commonly do we talk about that? You know, those kind of things. Mm. Um yeah,
1: that's a, that's a, that's a key point. I think that's important to remember too, if anything Mm -hmm. from this is that often higher ed can really tout itself as like, right, we're so inclusive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always have these, have these conversations, but a lot of the times it's like a population that is not really included in that Mm -hmm. is persons with disabilities and like, and, and, and it's so simple in a sense to really start to kind of accommodate. And, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's not, that it's like, yeah. only in these small pockets are really mm-hmm. kind of allowing that and so when it's
2: a uh, digestible if you will
1: yes. oh 100 yeah. yes ex- absolutely but that's a whole other can of worms yeah <laughs> that's another <laughs>
2: podcast mark that down that's podcast number six
0: i'm glad i'm glad that you shared that because i think like it's another call out for people who are in the profession to also maybe join like different like i know that not the terminology community is really popular mm-hmm. or other like you know identity based organizations but yeah. i think it's a good call out for people who maybe yeah. might not directly identify to still join those or ask
2: questions to learn yes ask questions yeah. oh my goodness i mean yes be, be mindful of your questions if yes. you um but sure. but at the same time like oh my gosh i wish people would actually ask me questions or talk about it because i feel like yeah disability is one of those things that people are really like tiptoe around and I'm like no can we talk about it like I have so many funny stories of things I've most heard like I've thought in meetings people accidentally said something (laughs) extremely inappropriate when it was something else and like I don't know like those (laughs) examples that I'm like I it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom like there's so much joy and disabilities and being disabled like the disability community on Twitter is some of the funniest people I've ever met I have you know like exactly yes exactly oh my gosh disability TikTok is so funny I will I will send you someone's profile afterwards because yes, I think please. he's one of the funniest people. Please. But like that's the thing is people always assume that disability is associated with like tragedy and it's been so hard on the families. And not to say like, or dismiss those experiences, Before. but like we're still alive, we're still yeah. functioning, we're They're still doing our thing. Exactly. Yeah. We're still human and alive at the end of the day. And I think yeah. that's what's important. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Love that. You don't you don't cease to take up
1: space after it's like Primary, yeah. secondary school, like <laughs> that's yeah. higher ed. Just Yeah, don't...
2: literally. <laughs> your needs, your needs are dissipated. They've
1: gone. <laughs> they no longer relevant. They, yeah, we all ed.
2: have. Yeah, we're all given expiration dates yeah. on the first day of yeah. kindergarten. It's like, they're ba- like it's like
1: a baptism of sorts. You walk, <laughs> you walk through the halls of higher ed,
2: and you yes. are ashamed of your disabilities, I have no been relevant. hearing everything since I have turned eighteen. <laughs> there
0: you go. Well, thank you so much, Jill, for sharing like your experience yes. in higher ed mm-hmm. and also sharing a part of your identity mm-hmm. that a lot of folks could learn from and also other folks might um, identify with, because I don't hear a lot of folks talking about the disability community a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of you sharing that. And you mentioned that you've gone to conferences to present mm-hmm. and organize panels. So we have a question from Chris. Ooh. Um, we'll call them Chris. Um, <laughs> and Chris asked, how can new professionals use professional associations to navigate the profession? Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I'd love to hear one. your perspective yeah. as somebody who is involved and has, you know, gone as an attendee and maybe mm-hmm. you're involved like in a higher level now or something like that. Sure. Um, but we'd love to know about that. Well, first, thank you, Chris, for your question.
2: <laughs> um, I love that question too. Of I used professional organizations been at private schools. Hmm. So I used professional organizations like attending conferences or drive-in conferences if you're not able to travel wow. um, or seeing if there's like a regional conference in the area or like a lot of things are becoming virtual now too. So it mm-hmm. makes it easy to attend in those ways. But to meet colleagues from like across the country at different institution types, different functional areas too, um, and seeing what folks are doing on their campuses as well, but also like taking the advantage to talk to folks of like, I, don't know, I always encourage my students to like, I mean, I'm always happy to like introduce people. So yeah. if you have like a mentor or somebody yeah. to be like, hey, I want to talk to somebody who has experience in, I don't know, study away programs or something, and then maybe like introducing them or t- encouraging them to go to like, whether it's like actual like conference presentations where it's on that. And then always after the presentation, typically the presenters would be like, yeah, come say hi or come talk to us afterwards, which I, be, I even still do for moments where I'm like, have well, how help. help you know (laughs) what are you what are you doing you know those moments as well but like of course challenge yourself to like go speak to people um most of the time more than not like people are more than happy to also connect and talk because I think you can learn from anyone regardless of how much experience you have or what professional level you have like I love talking to like grad students or um I even work a lot with like like undergrads who are curious about student affairs because I'm curious what their experiences and what they're coming into the field with because more likely I'm going to be working with them in a couple years Yeah. Um. and I always consider even like grad students my colleagues you know because I think yeah, they're, yeah. they're doing you. the work in the field they're working yeah um, and so I think like Yeah, one just kind of challenging yourself to just go say hi, or even asking, like, on your own campuses to grab coffee with somebody who's like a senior level role. Um, obviously you might have to wait a couple of weeks to get that booking yeah. but 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 I do think like folks are always open to route, whether grabbing lunch or grabbing coffee different things like that um take advantage of those virtual sessions too that mm-hmm. way you don't have to worry a lot of them are free. Um, some of them might require you be a member but I, I not to speak for all universities most campuses might offer professional development funds for their students so to ask about that, Um, and take advantage of those virtual ones Um, even like reading online of like different organizations will have like blog posts you can read or podcasts or (laughs) (laughs) or videos or twitter like social media has become such a big way to connect with folks Um, just different avenues like that but I think there's a way for, um, oh, there's a lot of mentorship programs out there now too, mm-hmm. um, which I think especially new professionals can grow from, whether it's you connect with a senior level or mid level, somebody specifically in your functional area. Um, And then at the same time, like when you have reached the stage where now you might be in that position, give back to the new professionals too. like keeping that kind of ongoing, like reaching out to students. I mean, like maybe telling them like, hey, if you would like to grab coffee, let me know because sometimes they might be shy. We all remember when we were like babies in this profession. Um, (laughs) Those moments, I, I really think there's a big like importance behind giving back and also reaching out um and also being open with your story and kind of doing the whole like hey this is kind of what I would have done differently Mm. or even encouraging like hey what you're doing right now is great and to use professional organizations to your advantage in that way too so you can learn from what other campuses are doing um and who knows maybe you might be working at that campus the one day so there is that networking piece to it but I think ultimately like to just sort of browse around of what your comfort level is. Mm-hmm. And then also what are you passionate about and what do you want to continue to grow in? Or what do you not know a lot about and yeah. you want to learn more about too? I love that. Yeah. Um,
1: thank you. Yeah, thank you. And then I don't know, really quickly if mm-hmm. you if you could, how do you balance the like kind of like you're saying the research and getting involved and doing that and, and you know, yeah, a professional development program like that? And You'd like and working right the demand of the job and working in the yeah. field I think that was something that was always difficult for me and wanting to yeah. be involved but trying to manage
2: that um mm. how do you do that um I don't know I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um, um my my running joke with my students is I don't know how to say no to things like yeah. I always am like I'm gonna go yeah. and- I'm always going to go to this conference and I'm, this time I'm only going as an attendee and that's it and it never ends up happening. Then suddenly I'm on the committee for something. Um, but I, but I do love it. I do love it. I'm a committee person as I've been lovingly named. Um, (laughs) um, I think knowing your boundaries too, I've learned recently how to say no to things, which has been tough. Cause for a while I was like, I need to get more experience. I need to get more experience and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and I also need folks to know that I'm I'm ready to do the job. Yeah. And I was like a big workaholic when I was in grad school, let alone even before that, like I'd answer emails yeah. at all times of the day. Yeah. Um, this is a side tangent and then I will get to it. But one of the big, like I once um, pulled my student staff into a meeting, um, I work mainly with grad students who are going into student affairs. Mm-hmm. And I was telling them, I was like, all right, two things. One stop apologizing your emails I don't want to see I'm sorry in those emails Mm -hmm. anymore two don't think that I expect you to reply to me one after like 5 p.m let alone like within a 24-hour period like one time I had a student who replied to my email like two hours after I sent it, something like that. And she was like super apologetic about responding late and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no. Yeah. And I was like, you do not need to apologize, let alone that is not responding late. It is still daytime. Like, (laughs) and I had to like (laughs) talk to her. I was like, don't form these habits now, like break this now. Um, So setting boundaries is really important. Um, Finding what brings you joy or even um, I've tried to implement for you work for 20 minutes, take a 10 minute break, work for 20 minutes, take a 10 minute break. Um, So those things, even in my like day to day of like, obviously I was mentioning earlier, uh, I love BTS and pop culture. So like my (laughs) breaks consist of like me watching like a music video of somebody who I like or a song that's stuck in my head. um, And then I'll go back to work or something like those breaks or even like getting up from your desk and going for like a stroll around campus. Um, I don't know those things on the weekends. let's see, I'm a big, I don't do anything work related Saturdays. That's one of my boundaries um, with of course, rare exceptions of big, just
0: yeah. year, you know, like, sure. yeah, yeah like
2: homecomings, commencements, those kind of things. But otherwise, Saturday is my day where I'm like, this is, this is me day. I'm doing what I want, um, whether it's fun or I just stay and, and watch TV all day. Um, so those things, um, but then also like what brings, I don't know, even like during the conference, like what do I need? Like, do I need to go back to my hotel room and skip mm-hmm. this next session? Because I, there's a lot of people and I'm an introvert and I'm just like, yeah. I can only be like, oh my God, hi. Like for yes. so many hours. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, that so those things, that. or if, there's a big like social at this restaurant where you can meet people and network. Like, yeah, I think you should take advantage if you would like to. But sometimes I just want to go to dinner with my three colleagues I came with and then go to bed. You know, yeah, um, like, those, like those things are fine too. Like, it's kind of what you need in that moment. I think that's something I've learned a lot in my time is like, what do I need right now or what do I want versus yeah. like a what is expected? Ah, um, you know, yes, and yeah. so like those have helped me not feel like I'm burning out already um of course there's some days where I'm like crawling you know on the ground but like not (laughs) literally um but 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 I think um yeah just those things are really important
0: yeah no thank you thank you for sharing I appreciate Mm -hmm. that yeah wow Jill I really like how you said like it's okay to not essentially like it's okay to not like do everything go to everything yeah I in grad school I feel like that was almost like an underlying expectation. Like, you need to meet as many people as you can. You need to go as many sessions as you can. Like, I remember sometimes I'd have like four or five sessions like that I wanted to go to, like out of the three days, like for a national, like larger conference. yeah. And I would just like be dead tired by the end of the day. Or even like, even at the end of the three days, like I would be like exhausted. yeah. And as I continued to go, I like stopped doing that. (laughs) And I kind of just went to things that like, were more aligned with like my role at the time. And I just stopped being that person that like had to go to everything, had to meet everybody. Um, I like have mixed feelings about professional associations. Like, I think they're great for wanting to like learn more. Like how Jill said, like if you want to learn a new functional area, like or sure. somebody who has a role that you have, like, yeah, I think it's beneficial for that. But I also like felt this underlying sense of like clickiness and- yeah didn't always feel as welcomed in some of the, like, identity spaces, like, it's just, you walk in, and, like, you could just tell, like, sometimes the energy is, like, weird, or I don't know, maybe it's just me, Um, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who's felt this way, (laughs) but that kind of, like, steered me away, and so, like, um, my last year in higher ed, I was just, like, "Eh, I don't really care about these conferences anymore, maybe because my mind was made up that I wanted to leave, I just didn't know, like, what my exit plan was at the time, yeah, but, like, I kind of just lost interest in them, and, like, even now, like, I love how Jill mentioned, like, you can learn a lot from, um, you learn a lot about higher ed, like, in many different outlets besides these conferences, like, social media, for example, and now, like, I've never seen so many people, like, openly critique professional associations and, like, professions in general, like, they are now, and, like, that is a great way to learn from people who are still in it, and granted, like, everybody has their own opinion, and, and that is their truth, you can't fight that, but, like, you can really learn a lot, and, not only like about what that professional association does, but like what people are experiencing as a result of it. Yeah. Um, and how sometimes like they're not pulling their weight and they're well, not yeah, necessarily it's, listening. It's how, you know?
1: it's how they respond, right? Yeah. I, think it, I think that's an important part that sometimes is forgotten about professional associations is the idea that they exist for the purpose, right? Um, or they're supposed to exist for the purpose of, you know, all the members and the people yeah. in that profession. And what what are they doing to benefit those individuals, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's always an interesting standpoint. Like, I I think for me, it was like kind of, I had that kind of realization a little bit too late, but I really Mm. wish I would have had that mindset while I was going to some of these conferences because I feel like that would have allowed me to be a little bit more, feel more comfortable in being critical of them. Yeah,
0: yeah, I definitely And like learning how to get
1: involved in a way that was more not rooted, kind of like what Jillian said, like not rooted in like what I thought others expected or what was expected Mm -hmm. of me of somebody trying to quote unquote validate myself in the field. But like,
0: but
1: yeah, like I did, like I I think about it, I go to these things and I'm like, oh wow, like I was qualified, like I should have submitted to present and I should have done a lot of things. And I didn't because of just the, the experience of like, well, right. Not have, having that one mentor not show up. And yeah. <laughs> contact me. If you're a
0: mentor in any of these professional associations. Yeah. yeah. Fulfill, your, you, fulfill your commitment, please.
1: If if, if that mentor is out there listening, I I texted you <laughs> thrice and waited at that <sighs> spot. And I did not hear from you. But I think like it, it's hard because I know that some people have really, really wonderful experiences. And yeah. some really want to have that. I like what you said, Jillian, about like giving back because I think sometimes that's something that, that gets lost in this field um, Yeah, is this idea that I feel that there are people that I met that were absolutely of that mindset and really wanted to give back and really wanted to support others in their own way, Yeah, which I felt was very key. It was like it was individuals that like saw skill set and really wanted to encourage me to thrive. Uh, for myself, and then for students and the population. And yeah. I felt like that was a very different type of mentorship or support system than people who either A, were trying to just drive like their own interests mm-hmm. or higher ed's interests. <laughs> and then versus, and then also the individuals that just kind of just slammed the gate, like Tea. in my face. Tea. Right. <laughs> so i like you know i like what you said about like the idea of trying to embody that right like you know give back like try be mindful that there's individuals that don't have the same experience as you but are equally um you know as important and capable
0: also like on top of that like be intentional like you cannot fulfill your commitment after realizing how much time is required then don't do it and just say like hey i can't do this anymore like Thank I would you. love to connect you with somebody else like be Thank intentional you. like that's there's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with that do and that's not another ghost way to give your back.
1: potential mentee yes in that's another a,
0: state in another yeah. city <laughs> in that's conference. okay though I like, think it's okay if you can't like I think that's another thing too it's like
1: that's healthy
0: yeah it's very healthy and it's like also boundary setting and I think yes. it kind of on to your like speak to your comment crystal about how you were like you know you don't have to present or do this yeah. to feel a part of the association or the profession like maybe mentorship is one thing that like yeah like it helps but yes. like you don't have to do it and especially if your plate is full because I think there's a tendency no. for us to overcommit and stretch ourselves thin and it does more harm to us and the individual we're trying to support than it than it does to help exactly, so
1: exactly. I, I wanted to mention
0: that because I didn't want to lose that thought because I think that happens a lot like I've met plenty of people who wanted to like who offered to be my mentor and you know, didn't hear from them. They fell off. I have one person who I still talk to and I met them through a mentorship match and she's been great. Like she's supportive of me during my time and also my time out. Um, so like, like, you know, just be real, like, it's okay. And like, even now, like your comment about giving back, like, even though I'm not, involved in the profession anymore and I choose to not go back I still like to help people who are interested because like I can't burn the profession down like as much as I would like to (laughs) like I have to still like be supportive of those who want to do it because that's their path and I have to respect that and so I'm always willing to help people but I will be I will be honest and I think Jill you made a comment about how um you know you like to help undergrads and you work with graduate students now who are going to be future professionals um but also you mentioned something about like taking in their whole experience and using that as kind of a way to be mindful I guess of kind of what they're about to go into yeah. and so that's something that I do like I'm mindful of your experience and I- I'll tell you about mine and so yeah like I still informally like do that and like this podcast is another way like you know yep. we give back but Absolutely. yeah I mean had to say that because there is just this tendency for people to just slap their name on something and, you know, to make, I think sometimes people do that, you know, for their own clout and teach them, teach them. That's just my opinion. So if you're out there and you're a mentor to someone, continue to be intentional. If you're questioning your mentorship relationship, be honest with your mentee (laughs) or vice versa. Mentee, be honest with your mentor. And, you know, at the end of the day, like if you can't fulfill it, connect them with someone who can or who would be a better match or whatever because that's not it's not a sign of failure it's just life
1: yeah let's just remember that we're all like we're all people and you know and even though networking is kind of rooted in very in in like transactional relationships it's Mm -hmm. really i think at the end of the day let's not forget like in this field kind of you know we're working with people and supporting people and that we need to kind of have a little bit of that compassion for ourselves and for mm-hmm. each other. As yeah. hokey as that sounds, I think it's very, it's it's from a very authentic place of, yeah. you know, I just gen like kind of like Chris's question, right? Just genuinely wanting to be able to learn more and be better at what they're yeah. doing. And, yeah. you know, just that vulnerability that it takes to kind of ask for help and navigation. um And let's like check our pride and our ego at the door and really just mm-hmm. be able to want to, support yeah. each other
0: and use it to your advantage to like I think Jillian you made a good comment about how you open the door for uh, other people to learn more about the disabled community like if you are somebody who is trying to break down barriers in higher ed and student affairs because there's still yeah. a lot yeah like, use that to your advantage like I can't say you'll be the most popular person in the room <laughs> but I will say that there will probably be a couple people who will have your back like if you want to talk about like bringing awareness to some of the inequities in the profession like salary
1: yeah um
0: or like the lack of like professional roadmaps or like um yeah. succession planning and stuff like that like talk to like can
1: we see more presentations on that at conferences yeah I was gonna say like talk to other
0: <laughs> talk to other people like who are who feel similarly and like submit a freaking proposal like the worst they're going to tell you is no. Um, if I'm correct, I think I saw some presentations from this last NASPA that people were talking about some of those inequities, like as, as a, as a, um, presentation, like panel type of format, as much as I say that I did not have a good time, like if I could go back, maybe those were some of the things I would have done, but at the time, like it just felt a little too taboo. But I think now like people are listening and not saying that they're being responsive quite yet, um, but they are listening and there are people out there who feel the same as you. So, you know, try it. I mean, and that's a good way to also like make it your own rather than kind of taking the baton and doing what somebody else has done or told you you need to do before. So yeah, if you didn't learn anything from this, just learn that if you want to be a part of different associations, do whatever you want to do and make your journey with with that, however, you wanted to look. Good
1: hopefully, ending. hopefully we answered that <laughs>
0: <laughs> as best as we could. Well, yeah, right.
1: Well, <laughs> thank you so much, Jillian. Uh, we appreciate you yes. know your perspective and sharing your time with us, and you know your your pop culture knowledge and everything. Yes. And, and BTS um, queen. yeah, <laughs> we we love it. We love you, and so happy to have have had you here.
0: Yes, and to everybody listening, thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends.
1: And stay connected with us on Instagram by following at surviving higher ed. Bye. Bye.